0: Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime.
1: And there you have it, a crazy first day. Uh, Space Coast, we can lose the uh, picture here. Uh, we'll just give it one second, Space Coast. Let's just see uh, see the height differential there between Daniel Rashbaum, significantly shorter than Charlie Adelson. Um, but he is standing for uh, Judge Everett and the jurors as they exit. Uh Charlie, a lot of people notice him blinking quite a bit. Uh let's see if there are other any further instructions here uh from Judge Everett before they uh dismiss for the day here. Let's just hang tight for one second. Uh looks like they have that is not us. It looks like they have killed audio. Um Space Coast, let's lose the picture. Let's get to our guests. They've been here all day. Um Dr. Hamilton,
2: let's.
1: They're in a recess till tomorrow. Um, Dr. Hamilton, we were trying to get your point across a few times. Kept getting interrupted, so let's get back to what you were saying. Um, and then we'll uh, kind of go around the horn, getting everyone's take here. And Tim Jansen supposed to join. I don't know if you will, but let's go ahead, Dr. Hamilton.
3: So my point was not a legal one. It's just as a. Um, I grew up in Florida, was a police officer in Florida, and so just her statement that uh, when she was coming around the corner and saw a roadblock with police tape, she assumed it was a tree down. That just did not resonate with me as a Florida resident, that that would be your first assumption. Um, Florida has many good qualities, but the quickness of services to go to a tree falling down and closing off roads would not be one of your first assumptions, particularly when there was not a uh, weather event. Um, So I'm just thinking those jurors are going to say, what? Why would you assume that and then also um then uh she didn't she had not known whether her children were correctly dropped off at school so if you were a mother you would say oh i need to make sure that they were able to get out and get to school um and so she would a normal person would probably have called the husband anyway i just want to also just note is um notice the tenor of this trial is very different than others um the attorneys on both sides have decided not to do many objections so Uh, listeners would see a lot of jury trials where um, one or both of the counsel would make a lot of objections. And for whatever reason in this trial, um, both sides have not, which um, I find better because it's easier to track and it's not as irritating.
1: Is that a kind of, is that something that's uh, calculated between uh, the defense and the state? Do they say to each other, let's not object as much, or is it just playing out that way, Dr. Hamilton?
3: I imagine that could happen sometimes, but no, I think it's more a uh, the personality of the litigators in there, and also their perspective of how well is that going to play with the judge, and how well is that going to play with the jury. And so my guess is here is that both sides have determined that that would not play well with either the judge or the jury, and so it it probably individually decided. I kind of doubt they have agreed on that.
1: Uh, so, David Latt, back to you, and then we'll go kind of in uh, around the uh, the horn in the opposite direction next to um, Jeremy Mutz. But um, I just took some notes on uh, Wendy in general. Um, when she came out of the box today, uh, began answering questions, I-, I noticed a visible shake in her voice. Um, at one point, when Charlie first made eye contact with her, he almost started to tear up. Um, that was the most emotion that I saw, notably... As uh, STS Nation has uh, made me very well aware, she is wearing a different dress today. I don't know if we would talk about that if it was a man wearing a different suit. Um, What do you make about these observations that people, uh, and these are the jurors potentially, uh, that they are making uh, these first impressions?
0: Well, I think that the observation about her attire is interesting and maybe would have been made if we were uh, de- talking about a man, because what she did for her first two trial testimonies was she wore the same outfit. And I think a lot of us thought that she was trying to get people to think if they happened to be uh, flipping through things, oh, this is the old trial, this is the first trial. Uh, if we had a man who wore the same tie at both times, I think we would have also have said, oh, look, he's wearing the identical outfit. I think she was trying to get people to just kind of ignore her her testimony or pass over it. So I did notice that this time around, she was not wearing the same outfit a third time. Maybe she had noticed or had heard that people had sort of called her out on it. Uh, you know, she always seems to act like she never pays attention to any of things and she never talks to anyone about anything related to this case. But I do find that hard to believe. And I suspect she probably heard that people were commenting on her
1: wearing the uh, same outfit for both of her uh, trial testimonies. Mm. Uh, shout out to Dom's mom giving us a super sticker. Greatly appreciate that. Look, look at this. Uh, STS Nation taking notice. Yay, Tim. Tim is in the house. Tim Jansen. You're back in that dark hole. I saw you very gingerly sitting down. How are you feeling, Mr. Jansen? For those who do not know, famed Tallahassee defense attorney Tim Jansen took a spill on his bike, cracked five ribs. Tim, how are you?
2: Um, I'm in the only chair that I can sit in, so it's a little sore. Better Uh, standing up than sitting up and down.
1: Uh, Tim Jansen, you're one of the better legal minds, especially uh, out of Tallahassee. And now I am wondering why Charlie Adelson did not hire Tim Jansen, because uh, the opening statements by the defense, uh, I couldn't follow him, to be honest, to be perfectly honest. Uh, bits and pieces, but he threw me for a loop. Maybe that's what he was going for. What did you make of uh, defense opening statements?
2: Well, you know, when when you do a defense like that, you normally wouldn't expose it that early in the case so that the government has the opportunity to prepare for it, get rebuttal witnesses. He probably should have limited it, did his limited cross, and then towards the end, or in his case in chief, come up with this theory. Um, He put himself on the edge of a rope. He he basically has to call his client now to testify. I don't know how anybody else could testify. Um, He's claiming that this Katie McDonawa, who's got no credibility, no means, no income, and she was a mastermind. I just have a hard time believing that a jury is going to buy it. Um, and we'll see. I, I think it was a mistake to hire this high priced jury consultant. Uh, the jury consultant didn't even stay, he, he left, and the jurors are going to see that. Uh, Roshbaum's got no relationship with this jury, and the first thing he stands up is to ask them to create this crazy scenario where it was an extortion, extortion, not a murder for hire. You know uh, that's
1: an, Tim, that's an interesting point. Um, we talked about this. You've got the, uh, you know, to me, Rashbaum is a likable guy, um, but he is from Miami, um, an outsider. But then you have uh, Dubin, who, uh, Josh Dubin, who is a New Yorker. And I'm from that. I'm from 30 miles outside New York. And I can say this. Uh, New Yorkers can be smug and arrogant and he kind of comes across that way. Do you think the jurors are noticing that the guy who questioned him is now gone? Uh, These guys have deep pockets. They're paying for, you know, specialists to come up. Is that something that jurors notice,
2: Tim Jansen? Of course they notice. They know they notice everybody's sitting at that table. They notice when they leave. Uh, They notice when they grimace, they notice when everything they're watching, all they can do in that chair is sit and watch and listen. So they per- they perceive everything that's going on. You'll be surprised.
1: Uh, look at the love. Mission, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa, Tim, 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 Tim. Uh, when I get up there Sunday, Tim, I'm bringing you a light. You're too handsome to be sitting in a dark hole, but I know you've got five cracked ribs. So uh, all yeah. is well in the world except for your ribs. Um, let me get to Jeremy Mutz. He hasn't spoken much today, and then we'll get back to everyone else. Um, Jeremy, I actually circled uh, – I have four mic drop moments for me in this. We'll go through them kind of one at a time. Uh, the most obvious one is the one that, um, and Jeremy, I'm seeing half your face. Just uh, maybe we can get you framed up a little better. Just I want people to see that handsome face of yours. Um, but the obvious one is uh, Wendy admitting on the stand that she just learned about this, this extortion plot nine years and whatever, however many months later. Um What do you make of that, Jeremy?
4: Yeah, I think that hurts, and I think Georgia is kind of like a a really good heavyweight boxer. She seemed to kind of plod along the first three or four rounds and then just had those devastating hits with uh, Wendy there at the end, especially the last 20 minutes. It's not insurmountable, though, because all the defense has to do is create one reasonable doubt, one reasonable doubt that creates some traction, and they can still believe that this extortion plot occurred and Wendy was walled off from it. So I don't think it's fatal for the defense that they're trying to prepare. I think it is a setback. I think it's one of the things that, you know, will probably uh, make the defense something that the jury doesn't accept, but it's not fatal to it.
1: Hmm. Um, this question is interesting, David Lat, and then we'll bounce uh back over to Carl Steinbeck and back to Dr. Hamilton. But from I am not T-Pain, one of our awesome moderators, is a jury. And Tim just said they notice everything, Going to notice that she has selective memory. So uh, during the questioning uh, from George Kaplman, she couldn't recall a lot of things. The minute Daniel Rashbaum got up there, she knew everything. Is that the sort of thing that um, not only do jurors notice, but does the defense attorney need to caution her uh, because it is so obvious?
0: I did notice that she answered Rashbaum's questions with much more alacrity than she did with Kaplman's. With Georgia's questions, she always seemed to be kind of looking to quibble with one thing or the other or disagree with the premise. And then with Rashbaum, she just kind of was like, yes, yes. Uh, And with dates, for instance, she would say, oh, that sounds about right. She was a much more pliant witness. I think the jury will notice that. I don't know that the defense counsel would necessarily Tell her to tone it down, though, because they probably like how smoothly their examination is going. Um, you know, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, I think that the defense theory is a bit ridiculous, but there is always a small part of me that gets a little nervous because of what happened in uh, the first uh, Katie McGowan trial, which ended with a hung jury, even though the evidence back then as it is today was pretty devastating. So part of me is always a little nervous if there's just enough to muddy the waters. Um, you know, I, I do agree with Tim that by laying this theory out so early, The jury will expect to hear from Charlie, and he did give the prosecution the opportunity to now ask witnesses, as Georgia did with Wendy, what's your thought on this theory? Have you ever heard of this theory? Uh, And that also is damaging
1: for the defense. But
0: again, I'm always – there's always a small percentage of me that's just really paranoid.
1: I'm with you on that, Um, and I think I get that from my mom, uh, (laughs) a trait that I inherited from her um dr hamilton i'm not sure if carl we can't see your face i'm not sure if you're there but dr Hamilton. okay um are you hiding your are you hiding that handsome face for for a reason
5: i don't know why the uh camera quit
1: feeding something's up but see okay see if you can go to settings and click on that camera but i'll come back to you but uh, already didn't work (laughs) all right um dr hamilton um Those final moments between Georgia and Wendy on the stand, that was, uh, you know, what Court TV uh, dreams of having on their air every day. She cornered her. I'll be honest. I don't remember the exact exchange because I had brain fog at this point. Uh, But she was basically catching her uh, in a lie uh, related to not knowing about, uh, you know, her brother's involvement. Um, It had to do with um, whatever was on page 25 there of the uh, interview between her and Detective Isom. My question to you, though, is should she have kept going with that? Should she have kept digging? It was a very um, abrupt, but a very powerful moment to end on.
3: Yeah, so I was also wondering, I thought she didn't um, go for the jugular, per se. Um, And maybe that will work well with the jury about not um, overly embarrassing this woman who's you know, was the mother of the children and this, you know, the victim's children and all. So maybe that was calculated not to look so heinous. Um, but again, uh, somebody had mentioned that she may do that on cross. Um, I, I do think that um, Wendy, so at least from my perspective is when she's answering certain questions that are easy, like dates, like when her father's 70th birthday is, she looks very different. She looks comfortable, calm. And when she's answering other questions that may go badly for her brother or for her, she her demeanor and her face and all looks much more um, nervous and complicated. Um, I think she's gonna have a very difficult night. She's gonna go through her head, I believe, as a she's a smart woman, of all the things that she regrets saying, and she might well then calculate how to correct it tomorrow. Because what you also notice is she doesn't simply answer the question posed, is she has an agenda. So she will turn it into what she wants to say. And so probably she will build in tomorrow her um, trying to resurrect things that she has, um, she thinks tonight she did incorrectly and want to correct the record by, you know, doing what a politician does is not necessarily answer the question posed, but to put out there the information that you want.
1: Uh, Carl, are you with me? I'm here. All right. So, the the moment I was just talking about, I went back in my notes. Uh, this to me was uh, mic drop number three. And this was uh, when they had Wendy look at testimony between she and Detective Isom, the uh, investigator. Um, and George's basic line of questioning was I thought maybe, um, did you think maybe if you um, had to, she said, I'm sorry, Wendy says, I thought maybe if I hadn't divorced, Dan Markell he'd still be alive uh and then basically is questioned about did you ever say that Charlie could have done this she says flat out no and that's when Georgia turns to page 25 of the interview from Isom uh Charlie at that point just waves his hand like oh I'm caught um and when Wendy is caught in this lie she says that there are inaccuracies in the transcript which just sounds reeks of desperation What did you make of that exchange? And then I'd love to hear that from both uh, Tim and Jeremy, too.
5: I mean, you picked up on that, Joel. I mean, this is stuff that the jurors are going to pick up on and they have 12 of them when they get back in the jury deliberation room to to look at all these things. They probably took a lot of notes down and that lie or another lie about um, whether she was uh, visited the crime scene or not. Um, I would like to see him ask about why are you denying visitation? Because I think that's one of the, the things that makes her look the worst, um, the way her uh, the, her mother was treating the kids and uh, whatnot for visitation as well. So I think also her closing her eyes so much. If you notice the real uh, zinger type of questions that Georgia poses to her, a lot of times she's squinting and closing both eyes at the same time. That's a common uh, sign of lying. And uh, like like a lot of the commenters here today said, she looks very calculating, has selective memory. And uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting when uh, mom asked her, like, we've never talked before. I've never had you for a deposition, that kind of thing. Well, of course he doesn't have to do that because attorneys can exchange that. So she looked totally rehearsed. I think she had the whole list of questions to go over with John Laurel ahead of time. So she looked ready to go. At least none of these questions were a, sur- a surprise to her. So um, in, in, in the end, I think... She could have gone many more hours talking about all the lies, all the motives with her and her family. But in the end, that 448 mic drop is the end of the game for Charlie because when he's not on trial, keep in mind, it's just Charlie right now. And Charlie's the one that's concocted this scheme that Katie McBanwalk came up with this great, awesome scheme. to extort money. And then he doesn't even tell his, his, uh, closest sister about it. So it's right there. The jury's just going to look at this whole thing as, 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 a smoke and mirrors, waste of time. And so, uh, I think she, she got what she needed to out of this witness. This is the best surprise out of the whole trial so far. Mm. Uh, Jeremy much
1: want you to pick up on that as well. I mean, you saw the ferocity of Georgia Kaplman in action. She, you know, had Wendy on the ropes there basically lying um, about having never said that Charlie uh, could have been responsible for this when she in fact said that, should she have gone at, uh, should George have gone at her even harder or is she reserving that for cross? And then we'll get Tim's take.
4: Lies convict more people than the truth. And I think that the point that you made is very devastating, particularly when you couple it with Wendy denying the statement to Jeffrey Lacoste, when, when Mr. Lacoste testifies, that's going to you know, further erode her credibility. So I think it was devastating. Uh, as an attorney, you're taught from almost day one in law school, never ask that one question too many. So I can see why Georgia stopped where she did. I think she made some very good, um, very devastating points. For one, only Wendy knew Dan's schedule. She was the only one in a position really to convey that schedule to somebody that could potentially do him harm. So I can kind of see why Georgia stopped where she did.
1: Hmm. Um,
4: Tim Jansen,
1: you know Georgia Kaplman well. You live in Tallahassee. Her performance today, how do you grade it? Should she have kept going there and what she can do on the cross?
2: No, she, she knew when to hit. Georgia's very, very experienced. She's probably watching that jury's reaction. She got the point she wanted to make. My question is, what law school and college would good full scholarships to somebody that doesn't know what a contempt proceeding is and doesn't know you can be held in jail for contempt. She comes across as a liar. Rashmond's whole defense is that this is a beautiful family, educated family. We're good people and we got extorted. Now she's up there lying and dancing around. She didn't help the case. She, they're, not, they're not gonna find her credible. They're not gonna be credible that she didn't talk to her brother through the lawyers. It's, it's just, you can't sell it. You can say it, doesn't mean you're going to sell it.
1: Mm. Um, I could start a, a dating site as well. Uh, in addition to this, Mish in South Africa, Jeremy Mutz, she loves your voice. Link me up, Joel. She says it's a velvety Southern voice. So uh, maybe mm-hmm. I have two businesses in one here. Maui Swift, friend of the show, brilliant panel. Um, David Lat, let me put you on the spot. Um, you're a bright legal mind. What defense would you have come up with? Because this one does not seem to be flying. If you were representing Charlie Adelson, what would you say?
0: I have to admit, and maybe this is sort of a backhanded compliment to uh Rashbaum. like, what's that old saying? Uh, you can't make chicken salad with chicken, you know, excrement <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I don't I don't I mean, this is kind of like a Hail Mary, but I don't really know what alternative he had. Uh, I think that you can have sort of two approaches to a defense. On the one hand, you can have an alternate theory that sort of ties together the same prosecution facts, but has a you have a different explanation for them. Or you can just sort of hammer on the burden of proof mm-hmm. beyond a reasonable doubt. We don't have any direct evidence. It's all circumstantial. And I think that if you... I personally prefer having an alternative theory, but only if the theory actually holds water. So I don't know if this theory is going to hold water, and maybe he would have been better just being that sort of little uh, gnat, always hammering at at reasonable doubt. But look, he's in a tough position. I would not want to be in his shoes. I would not want to have this case and this client. So, you know— Cut him some slack to anyone who's going to sort of uh, criticize his uh, his tactics. I guess my
1: question is, what would you have done? Yeah, well, I'm going to criticize it right now, right on that note. Um, and I'm going to come back to you. So not only did he say it was extortion, he said it was double extortion. And the way Carl explained it to me, oh. basically that that uh, FBI bump, um, he's blaming, you know, uh, that as being a, a, a secondary extortion. So he's kind of doubling down on all this. Should he have just uh, quit while he was ahead and just said that it was the uh, Katie McBianna extortion here? Because the other one is even more unbelievable.
0: Well, I think the problem is that the bump and the recordings are some of the best evidence from the prosecution. And you'll notice that you can hit that pretty hard in her opening. So he kind of had to go there, but I think he's going to have a difficult time. And the other thing I noticed from his opening is he didn't really – come up with any explanation for the dolce vita recording he just kind of hinted at something like well i'm going to show you the real recordings or i'm going to show you all the recordings or or something like that but he didn't really have a good explanation for those recordings and again i think it's because there isn't a good explanation for the recordings so um again i'm i'm really interested in seeing what he's going to come up with i
2: think think his entire defense is going to be the dolce vita I'm pretty sure he's going to have those inferences made and he's carrying his water with the Dolce Vita tape. Yep. And that's the strongest evidence and the money that the state has. Tim, I want to get Tim, Tim real
1: quick. Hang on one sec. SGS chief, everything this is very important. Our mods have been modding for eight and a half hours. It's been a monstrous day. We were not expecting this. So huge. Thank you to all of them. Gen X Grammy, granny. I'm not T-Pain and all of SGS nation for joining us. Let us know if you enjoy this trial coverage. Uh, I think we are going to stream the rest of the of Charlie Adelson's trial. Uh, we will not be doing live analysis like this, except for the big days, obviously when Charlie, if he does, when he takes a stand and any other big names, we will do that. And thanks to our best guest, obviously for uh, jumping in there, Tim, what were you just saying? I've, I've completely forgotten uh, my <laughs> train of thought, Tim.
2: I, I think Dan's biggest piece of evidence he's going to hone in is is going to be the of V-Day. Mm-hmm. And remember he said the first layer, the second layer. He said it's not the first layer, it's the second layer, meaning it's not. And he's trying to, he's got damage against him. It's really bad. So he's got to have an answer for everything. He threw out the answer for the money, right? He knew he was going to be buried with the money and stapled money. So now he says if he has an extortion where he's paying extortion, well, that takes the money play out of it. That's all good and fine and dandy, but you you can't play that card so many times that all these things line up perfectly for you. You have no wiggle room. You have no other alternate defense. you played your cards, and now Charlie's got to testify. They may call Katie, but I don't know. Uh, it depends on how Charlie does on direct and cross. They may not, but then they may have to. Georgia may have to call in rebuttal.
1: Yeah, uh, Doctor Hamilton, to that point, and then we'll go. Uh, Carl, did you have something?
5: I'm sorry. I, I just was going to say it seems part of the ridiculousness of this whole defense is that he doesn't go to the police when he's supposedly extorted by Katie, yet <laughs> he's willing to go kill the cop that was the undercover guy. So mm. uh, suddenly gets this bold killing, killing mentality. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh I love it because Carl almost
1: sounds disgusted when he is saying that. Um, Dr. Hamilton, to you, um, the notion that that Tim brings up is an interesting one because when they brought in Josh Dubin, high power jury consultant from New York, uh, some of the line of questioning was uh, along the lines of, you know, have you ever overheard a conversation and thought you understood it, but in the end you really misunderstood it, which is kind of setting up what I think Tim is suggesting that. What we're hearing on the Dolce Vita tapes is not really what happened. Um, do you agree with Tim that they're going to go down that road? And is that at all believable?
3: Uh, yes, they will. But by then, the jury probably now is, number one, wondering what happened to that guy? Where did he go? And nothing today has really circled back to why he was asking that question. So they'll probably just be confused about that. Um But I also think in terms of I wanted to bring up the really odd defense strategy. I know we've um, pointed out other oddities of it is not having told Wendy that of what their argument was going to be. And so I think that's why we saw her so different on the stand at the very beginning, being really taken aback and confused is she was just shocked. And so I don't understand why, because clearly they want to play her as sympathetic and a good witness for the defense is they set her up not to be because she was absolutely shocked, or at least it seemed to be that she really had not been prepared for that. So that's really curious.
1: Mm. Uh, Jeremy Mutz from Nettie Daniel, and this is a super sticker. So thank you. Uh, Why didn't they just pull up the police interrogation video regarding Wendy's comments about who may have wanted to hurt Dan? I I agree in a way that's always better to see it than hear it. And then she was, able to you know use this transcript excuse uh you're the legal expert what's your take
4: well it's just more cumbersome to do that in court a transcript is much less unwieldy um in hindsight it might be you know something good to have a short video clip available but i think uh that was more suitable for the moment i would i would throw this out there for the reason wendy was not you know briefed on what the strategy is there may be a little bit of a, a calculation there because you don't want us you don't want wendy to be seemingly on the same page and then you don't want georgia to cross-examine her that you've testified twice before and you've never said anything about this extortion so again like they walled her off originally allegedly for her involvement they'd wall her off again if this is the the strategy mm-hmm. a lot of times you know, a good defense strategy sometimes is to make a simple case complex because the prosecutor always wants to make the case very simple. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a simple case. Defense <laughs> comes along, makes it complex. And I think that's part of what they're doing here, or at least trying to. Hmm.
1: Um, I'll be the judge has a question for Tim. Tim, if this is a story your client gives you, and we don't know that to be the case necessarily, uh, <laughs> meaning Charlie Adelson to... Daniel Rashbaum, and wants you to present the the particular story. Aren't you boxed into that defense? In my opinion, this defense sounds like one of Charlie's typical stories, Tim.
2: Well, no, no, wait a minute now, because you have a jury consultant that's been brought in. I'm assuming that this guy was brought in at the beginning. He may have done focus groups. He may have done mock trials. So they must have done something that they feel this is their best defense, And they did it this way, and they felt maybe this guy did the best thing. Let him do it. He knows. And we're going to sell it. I have clients come to me all the time and tell me stories. I say, hey, listen, if you think I believe that, why would you want me to, why would you want to hire me to be your lawyer? Because it's it's, sometimes it's the foolish stuff they tell you. You can't sell. It's not reasonable. You have to have a little more client control. No one's picking on Dan. Dan inherited this case. He's on the case. We've all been in trials where cases are difficult and tough. This is a high-profile one. I just questioned some of the tactics he made. And, you know, coming out with that defense in your opening, that's not one of those decisions you're making in trial that you have to make a split decision. This was a decision that was made before they did openings. So he he went with it. Everybody signed off on it. And um, so he must know where he's going. Maybe the client wants him to do it. The client has the final say. Hope he's got it documented, though, with documents in his client when he says the money did come from Charlie. That's an admission. So he better have that signed up that his client allowed him to do that because um, that's what you have to do. You have to protect yourself in these cases.
1: Tim, uh, I'm not suggesting in any way that this is the case here, but I'm just posing this now hypothetically. What do you do when you just know that your client reeks of guilt? I um, mean, you've got to trudge through the uh, the mud, Tim.
2: Listen, we I've had plenty of clients that, you know, I know did something. Your job's not to always get them off. Your job is to prove the government can prove it or get lesser charge or get a plea. My job's not, it's amoral. I'm not judging you. You can't judge a guy what they did. Now, some cases I don't like to say, but if they're guilty, you've got to give them a defense. And you'd be a violation of the Sixth Amendment and to your bar card. If you don't zealously represent your client, either don't take the client, or do what you can ethically to defend his rights.
1: That's why we live in America, Tim. Love to hear that, uh, Jennifer Williams, Super Sticker. Thank you so much. Uh, this point from Von Decay, Doctor Von Decay, to me, uh, to you, David. Uh, Georgia does does need to be careful regarding her demeanor. I am very pro prosecution, but juries don't like one side or the other appearing to dominate or spike the football, your take. So I'm going to actually push back on that a little bit. I did not think Georgia was really doing
0: that. And I think we've already discussed a couple of instances where she could have pressed harder and she actually held back. There was that one exchange where Wendy said something implausible and you could hear Georgia sort of mutter something like, oh, wow, or oh, boy, like sort of like, here we go. So, you know, maybe there was that aside. But I actually think Georgia's demeanor has been pretty solid throughout, including during some points in Wendy's testimony where she said things that were a bit implausible. Because again, she can always come back uh, when she gets to question Wendy again. She can always come back in her closing statements. She doesn't need to sort of do it all now. So I think she's been fairly restrained. Um, Picking up on one thing that Tim said. So some people often draw this distinction between um, sort of objectives or goals and tactics. And they say, well, the client chooses the objective or the goal, which is I want to go to trial or I want to plead. But the lawyer gets to choose the tactics. So I suspect that Rashbaum has had a lot of input into this particular strategy. It may have been Charlie who suggested it, It maybe when uh, Rashbaum was interviewing him or something. But I do think that uh, he has to take some ownership as the attorney with this particular tactic because... Figuring out how you're going to defend a case once the client says, "I want to go to trial," that is typically something that the lawyer will do with input from the client. But uh, I I would give uh, Dan either credit or blame
1: for this strategy. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Old Lady Snoop Marathon Joel is funny. He's also, if you knew what was going on in my mind, I'm having these, uh, you know, thoughts. I'm like, remember this, remember this, remember this, and then the minute. The guest is done speaking. I can't remember what I just told myself to remember, and that is repeating itself. That's what happens after eight hours. I used to do this, though. I got trained when I was at Fox News. uh, Part of my job was doing uh, all the affiliate hits. There are 200-plus Fox stations. Anytime I would get to a live breaking news story, I would report for all those stations, and I would do it for 14, 15 straight hours, Uh, sometimes a lot more than that. Uh, Amanda, the Yahoo, super sticker. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, Jeremy Mutz, one thing that someone mentioned sort of in passing, but it stuck with me. I think it's really interesting. We're all inside baseball people. We follow these cases. We're into true crime. Um, you know, we know the inner workings. We know that Wendy wore the same dress twice. Uh, by the way, Tim Jansen famously said uh, the person who wears the same dress is an actor. Wears the same because it's a costume. Today, uh, different costume, different dress. But to, uh, Jeremy, my question to you, look at this, looks like John Singer's hopping on, but is that, is that possible? But Jeremy Mutz, um, to you, how careful, as both a prosecutor and a defense attorney, do you have to be to keep in mind that these jury of your peers don't know the story the way they do or the way that we do, and you start to take things for granted in the narratives?
4: That's a very good question, and and one thing we've talked about this afternoon about the route down Trescott, that is not a, sh- a shortcut by any means, and I don't think that's clear to the jury so far. It's clear to us because we've talked about that so much over the years that it's kind of in our subconscious. But as a prosecutor or as a defense attorney, you cannot assume you have to you have to set the scene for the jury you have to lay these things out uh, so that they get the points that you're trying to make because sometimes you can you can live the case so much you know it but then that doesn't translate to what they hear and that's that's who needs to hear it that's what matters who hears it you know not whether we we know these facts
1: mm. uh there are a couple um one one thing that really kind of bothered me uh quite a bit look at this look at this The all-star, John Singer. Can you hear us? Yeah. (laughs) I can hear you. John, opening statements. Sorry about
6: about my outfit. I can hear you.
1: (laughs) I didn't recognize you. What uh, what, what was your take today? What was your take on uh, opening statements? I wasn't expecting you.
6: Oh, man. What a day. What a day. Uh, Craziest theory I've ever heard in my life. I mean, he... We've been talking for a year and a half about how he had to go with something right He had to come up with some theory the evidence was overwhelming against him and we were all sort of speculating on what the theory would be and he kind of he busted out with that the, uh, the double crimes on July 18th to 14, but never told anybody about it. Garcia and Rivera get arrested in 16. He never tells anybody. He never tells anyone in 22. when he's arrested, and he doesn't tell anybody until today it's the craziest theory I've ever heard so they'll have a good time with that. Georgia was very snarky with Wendy about the theory. again, it only takes one dummy on the jury and hopefully there isn't one but that theory is ridiculous. I'm glad to see he went with it because it makes no sense.
1: Yeah and John, um, while I have you and I hear don't yell at your kids by the way you're uh, you're one of those dads singer and I'm becoming one of them myself so I got to keep an eye <laughs> on you. But uh, Carl Steinbeck timestamped at 4.48 p.m. Eastern time on October 26th is the first time Wendy Adelson ever heard of this extortion plot. Did that just sink Charlie Adelson right then and there?
6: That was it. And, and, and when he when they gave that theory in the opening statement by Rashbaum, my first reaction was. What is Wendy going to say? Because we knew she was going to testify and they needed her for the motive. They needed to get in those vitriolic emails from Donna. And I was wondering when Wendy would would indicate that she learned about it. And it was apparently today when we all learned about it, which is completely foolish. I mean, it, it, it's the jury's going to see right through that. There were a lot of other bad moments for Wendy. That wasn't the only one. And we saw her demeanor change today from lots of swagger in the first two trials to sort of a, a resignation today. I think that she knows what's going to go down here for her brother. And I think Georgia was building, she was doing the Carl Steinbeck today. She was building the case against Wendy. Lots of questions were pointedly addressed at Wendy and, and perhaps for a future prosecution down the road of her. Why'd you drive by the crime scene? Um, you know, who knew his schedule? They expect us to believe that Rivera and Garcia were avid followers of Prof's blog, that they were somehow following that account to know the schedule. They'd have to prove that one of the three people involved, Katie, Secreto, and, and Rivera, were somehow monitoring Prof's blog. That's how they somehow ascertained that he was leaving town that day. It's so ludicrous. I, I was yelling at the, at the screen for hours at a time today. People in my office must have thought I was nuts.
1: <laughs> um, John Singer, I'm gonna keep you on mute. You're welcome to stay or go, but um, hey, Mona says she did I'll not go, recognize- that's
6: all I had to say.
1: All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, Mona says she does not recognize you without your bar. Now, go yell at your kids.
6: <laughs> Thank you.
1: All right. all right, uh, that was a great John Singer, uh, Maui Swift. Uh, did anyone pick up when the WhatsApp questions came up with Wendy? She flushed. I saw a couple times when her, her blood rushed to her face or rushed out of it. Uh, what do you think Georgia's strategy is when she brought that up? Carl Steinbeck, you want to take a shot at that? Oh, you're muted, Carl. This time, I think that was. Yeah,
5: That that's a good pickup. That's the kind of thing uh, that Maui Swift picked up on that the jurors are going to pick up on. And they're going to have a whole um a whole lot of these things to go over and like I say it's going to be it's going to be game over for Charlie's defense right there from 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 Wendy so he they basically can thank Wendy um for sinking them it would have sunk anyway but I mean it's your uh your first main witness you're trying to flip for the defense and and she crushed him so I actually thought when um when I was uh listening to the this opening that was so hilarious um along with the comments, the comments uh, that came in were just hilarious. I was just, I was literally crying. I was laughing so hard on a lot of them, but anyway, um, it, it seemed like he was winding up with trying to keep a straight face. So he didn't really start unraveling the theory till about 45 minutes in because it was just so, so hilariously uh, ridiculous. And so, um, it's like he was building up the courage to come out and say it cause he was afraid, afraid to, uh, have somebody laugh at him or, or himself be laughing. So anyway, it was, just, it was really a comical, comical hour. Um, and it just shows you how uh, interesting trials can be where you, you really just, uh, have, have a laughter like that. And such a, such a it's a, such a serious trial nonetheless, right. But they just really turned it into a clown show today. Um, Sadie says, uh, and Dr. Hamilton, I'm going to come to you
1: with a with a follow-up question here. How does Wendy avoid making eye contact with Ruth Markell, looking right at her? Ruth, uh, she didn't look great today. I think I caught a few glimpses, and she looked very sad. Um, understandably, one of the exchanges uh, where they were asking Wendy about her family and her mother. Uh, this was George asking about Donna, who's this overbearing mother. Uh, how she is as a grandmother and uh, Dr. Hamilton, she says that she's a quote unquote, very dedicated grandmother. And that was a gut punch to me because I know Ruth uh, and she's sitting in there and Ruth doesn't get visitation. Um, I don't know to what extent the jury understands that, but um, how powerful or not is a moment like that?
3: Well, it's, it's so several times, even the defense attorney has basically conveyed this, the Adelson family as very self-centered. Um, so all of them are. So um, they're portraying her as a good grandmother, entirely ignoring the other side of the family. And that is seems seems to be what they are. And that's been portrayed pretty consistently. And again, even the defense counsel um, characterizes own client as self-centered. So I think that's what it Yeah, so we, the jury is seeing that um, this family has a view to themselves is very different and their own needs are much more important than anybody else's needs. Um, And they're not seeing that the damage they're doing to the children by preventing them from seeing the other side. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you, you had given us before the demographics of the jury in terms of gender and race. But I was curious about the age, because I think if the jury skews old versus young, that could be very different in terms of how they're seeing grandparent rights. Do you know the age?
1: Um, I don't think we were given ages. I think we were just given uh, male, female, African-American, white. Do we have the? I'm sorry. Do we have it? Yeah, it's like 30 to mid 50s range. 30 30 to mid 50s, Dr. Hamilton.
3: Uh, So probably not many of them experienced as grandparents. So, so, yeah, maybe they are not picking up that as much.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Jeremy Mutz from Seamus Donahue. uh, Why was Wendy allowed to sit in the gallery? Both you and Tim had a lot of experience in Tallahassee. Why was Wendy allowed in the gallery and to listen to opening statements and first witnesses?
4: I don't know. Usually the rule would be invoked and they'd have to wait outside. So I'm not sure what special decision was made in regards to her being in there.
2: Dan forgot to announce a request for sequestration and he announced it later. He looked around and then, oh, judge, I want to, and I think it was too late. She was already in there.
1: Ah, interesting.
2: Um, One
1: of the things that kind of made me laugh out loud, but was not a funny topic at all. Speaking to Carl's laughing out loud was Georgia starts questioning her, uh, David Latt, about changing the boys' names to Adelson, basically alienating her, you know, them completely from the Markell family. And my ears perked up because I'm a TV news guy. She blamed it all on Nancy Grace. She blamed that entire thing on Nancy Grace. She said that Nancy showed pictures of her young children at the time, faces unblurred. She was so scared because of what Nancy Grace did that she had to change the name now to me and again i mean i know the case it just comes across as inane uh just a crazy thing to say um what do you think of it and what do you think the jurors think of it more importantly oh you're muted i'm sorry that's a constant (laughs) sorry i share your reaction
0: to that joel i don't uh I don't think that that is uh, going to be um, very helpful. Um, But echoing something that was said earlier, though, I do think the prosecution does have to be careful to connect all the dots because, again, the jurors are not... Uh, like us, we've been following these, this case or these cases for years. Um, you know, if I were to quibble with uh, one thing, you know, from the past in terms of the prosecution, I think that at the first McBanawa trial, maybe they were thrown off guard by McBanawa testifying. And I don't know that they may be Connected all the dots as well as they could, whereas on the second one they did. Um, so I do think that the prosecution has to keep in mind that folks are not ne- on the jury are not necessarily as knowledgeable as uh, all the people here and all the people uh, in your comments, uh, your your the SDS Nation. So I I think they do need to be careful to to connect all the dots and 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 cross all the T's and dot all the eyes. Mm.
1: Uh, Tim Jansen, um, we left. Obviously, uh, Daniel Rashbaum finished his line of questioning. Uh, we are expecting Georgia Kaplman uh, on cross. Mm-hmm. What are you expecting from her with that?
2: Well, first I want to say I thought Sarah Dugan did a great job in the opening statement. I think she went back timeline. I think she put it all together. And, and Sarah's really good at that. She's real down to earth. And and the people like Sarah. Sarah's become a really good trial lawyer. I've tried cases with her like 12. 15 years ago, she's really developed. And and I thought her opening was very compelling and they tied it all the way up to the present day. I thought that was well done. Um, Georgia's gonna be going through things tonight. Um, She's probably gonna have 10 things she's gonna hit her with. Might have the documents ready to go, get her in a a pickle again. Um, She might hone in again on this. So this is the first time you've heard about this extortion. Your family is so close and you talk to your mother, and your brother, but this is a first time, could it be because your brother made this up while sitting in jail for a year with a high priced jury consultant and see what she, what she says. And that throws it out to the jury to hear that. They'll probably get an objection, but as you know, it's, it's out there. Jury will hear it. Um, and George is not unlike to do something like that. And oh, I'm sorry, I'll withdraw it. Um, but George is good. I mean, she's really good.
1: How long is the cross going to last on uh, Wendy? And is there any chance, Tim, any chance Wendy sticks around to support her brother?
2: None. She'll be out of there. She'll be rats off a ship. She'll be out of there as fast as possible. John laura has got the car keys and the car running. He's gone. (laughs) He's got got a case in Atlanta he's got to deal with.
1: Yeah, called uh, former President Trump. How long is that cross going to last, Tim?
2: Probably no more than 30 minutes.
1: No more than 30 minutes and then she's out of there. Uh, this is a funny comment. Bleachers really feel like Joel's missing out by providing key insight into a Jewish upper middle class. <laughs> you don't want to know my take. But let's put it this way. Uh Vinnie Politan has invited me on Court TV today, I think, because uh we're relatable. My mother and I are relatable. Um more sadly more to the Adelsons, I think, than to the Markel side. But uh, I had a dominating Jewish mother, but my Mom likes to say uh we never got to the uh we never got to the murder part. Uh for all our craziness we're still clinging on to some semblance of a normalcy. Um Dr. Hamilton and I'd like to get some other people's comments on this. One of the other big I have these four mic drop moments. This is the last one. Uh this kind of flew under the radar I think, but George is grilling um Wendy And she's talking about her dad's 70th birthday party, which I think was a surprise party, maybe, um, and the gifts. And she says, was your dad's biggest 70th birthday gift the Mm -hmm. murder of Dan Markell? Mm -hmm. And she turned bright red. I mean, just bright red. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. trying to goad her emotionally. um, It seemed to work because she looked like a deer caught in headlights. Um, Very defensive, but not in um, I don't know, I guess in an authentic way, she just looked annoyed. Um, How does that score for the jury?
3: Uh, I think it does because it's, it seemed to her that she was sensitive that, and maybe they were even though not necessarily celebrating expressly. And I kind of doubt they were the death of uh, Danny, but um, they were feeling My guess is that they were where they wanted to be, where the family was all together, and they had the boys there. And so it could have then sparked the, yes, we kind of were celebrating. We are happy that we're together now and don't have that problem. And so maybe she felt a little guilty and caught out by that. Hmm. Um, But I also um, just want to underscore um, the point that was brought up in terms of her being surprised about the defense So Wendy had adamantly said her family could not possibly be involved, which implies that she knows what they could and couldn't do. But suddenly there's this big thing in their lives, the rest of their family, or at least her brother and parents, um, about the extortion, double extortion, whatever they called it, is, well, that was present and you were not aware of that. So isn't that indicating you don't quite know what your family is capable or not? So that's a big hole in her um, protestations about that.
1: Mm. Um, David Latt, uh, someone pointed out the irony that, um, now, uh, her son, Donna's son, Charlie Adelson is living in Tallahassee and, uh, could be in that vicinity for a very, very long time. Um, one of the things that's interesting also, Wendy went, uh, I'm sorry, Georgia went through a list of names that Donna had called Dan, uh, a-hole, bully, religious zealot. Uh, But the entire time today, Wendy is referring to him as Danny. They even, you know, discuss the nickname, the infamous nickname, Jibbers. Um, How calculated is that? Does Daniel Rashbaum say, Wendy, when you're speaking about your husband, make sure you call him Danny. Don't call him Jibbers. Don't call him an a-hole. Call him Danny. Um, How important is it to be in character, uh, as Tim Jansen has alluded to, when speaking about her ex-husband?
0: I would say it's very important and it also is consistent with what Rash Brown was trying to do in his opening where right off the bat, he said that the murder of Dan Markell was a terrible thing, was a tragedy, was an awful thing. So I can understand why he's trying to do that. And he wants to be very, very respectful um, of Dan Markell and his legacy and his family who's present. And so uh, I think that it makes perfect sense for him to uh, take that approach um yeah i i I agree with you
1: Mm. uh carl to you from pizza driver here would you have called the best buy guy the geek squad man about wendy quipping about her brother buying her the tv uh i was army navy (laughs) biggers uh but uh carl what about that would you have actually uh summoned the uh, geek squad guy in there uh
5: you're muted carl i'm sorry is that me? Let me. I would have called them just just to set the scene on what was really going on in their head that morning. You know, that day was such a critical day. And they're again talking about this um hitman supposed joke. So it just goes to show how bizarre this family was acting. So but I don't see him on the list. I, I can't remember what his name is, but I don't think he's on the list. But. I think for Charlie's sake, it's not as important. I think that's more directed at Wendy, and I think they got so much damage on Wendy today that it's not going to matter in the end, but just just to, just to um, actually just show more and more evidence that that would be helpful. But uh, if you don't need it, then I guess there's no, there's no, uh, no uh, harm there. And
1: Tim, this derivative immunity, um, what does this mean? I mean, what, uh, if anything, that Wendy said today, could they use moving forward potentially?
2: nothing. They can't use anything that she says against her. And if they ever try to use any evidence, they'll have to independently prove to a court that what they got was not derived from what she said on the stand. It's very difficult The cast hearing. Very difficult to do. That's why you don't like to give targets immunity and have them testify. That's probably why Donna and Harvey were not given immunity to testify. Because it, you don't want to have to get in that, that problematic situation where their lawyer can claim, oh, he had immunity. You can't use those statements. You can't use any of that. So mm-hmm. why? Um, I, I, I think that um, one thing I'm, I think would really sell this jury, I don't know where the jury's from, if they're actually from Tallahassee or they're in the Leon County area. But, you know, that that trip that Wendy took to go to that, to go by the house on Tresca, and then she went to get that bullet. I don't think anybody's really done a video or a map or – Maybe I'm wrong, Carl, but to to actually show where she was and then show where she bought the the alcohol and then show where mosaic, I know what mosaic is, that would not have been on a direct route. It would not go down Trescott. And that would further amplify she's just a liar. Um, and I guess it's saying that that what they're saying now that Sigfredo committed the murder and then blackmailed. Mag Bonowa or Mag Bonoa was doing this murder and then going to blackmail Charlie. But so who paid for the rental car? Who paid for the who had the upfront money for these guys to come do this on two trips? Katie, she didn't have any money. And the first thing they do when they call halfway, it's done. And I think Katie had said to Louis Revere and said, we already know which they wouldn't have known because the press wasn't leaked. It wasn't out that at that point. So Mm -hmm. somebody else had to have told her that the hit took place. And that was probably Wendy. Mm.
1: A few more minutes and we'll get some closing thoughts before I collapse. Sully says, uh, Dr. Hamilton, do you think, or is asking, do you think Rob Adelson will be called to testify? Of course he is the estranged Adelson sibling, a doctor up in the Albany area. Now he famously married a non-Jewish woman and was completely ostracized by this family that you just heard say uh, a lot of self-hating things in regards to their own religion. But do you think he gets called in this uh, trial, Dr. Hamilton?
3: I don't, because I don't know that he knows anything that's relevant to him. He's been on the outside of their kind of inner circle for a long time, and he can't just bring generic uh, character evidence. So I don't see the benefit of that.
1: Mm. Uh, David Latt on that same theme. Uh, my mother's a survivor. Um, Donna, according to, uh, you know, testimony here, uh, threatened to dress uh, the kids, the Adelson boys in Nazi uniforms and march them around, wanted to get them baptized. I mean, that really paints an insane picture of this mother. How damaging is that uh, for the overall uh, Adelson picture?
0: I thought it was definitely very, very bad, especially in light of just recent events in Israel, and I really did sort of cringe when when that came out. Uh, again, I, and the other thing we have to remember is those of us who've been following this case for years some of us are almost sort of inured to this or or, or, or jaded because we've we've heard it all before. Uh, but if you're a juror who is maybe possibly hearing some of this for the first time, uh, it has got, some of this has got to be shocking. Now, Rashbaum did, uh, no, uh, Wendy did try to sort of draw the sting or preempt it where she says, oh yeah, some of the stuff my mother said is pretty bonkers or pretty crazy. So she's acknowledging that. She's, she's trying to sort of diminish it by not denying that some of this stuff is crazy. But uh, it does paint a very,
1: a very damning picture of the Edelson family. Mm. Um, Carl Steinbeck, I think we will uh, begin to wrap up. Um, What was your uh, major takeaway today? um, And what are you looking forward to tomorrow as this continues? Obviously the trial got underway in earnest today um, with opening statements. Uh, We're going to hear again from Wendy. Uh, Tim says that's going to last no more than 30 minutes. Uh, what are you expecting tomorrow? And in your eyes, uh, is this already an open and shut case, even though you're never supposed to say that, but I just did.
5: I mean, the, it started out with the collapse failure and the opening statement, the worst statement I've ever seen uh, in all my years. And then you had the uh, big whopper explosion with Wendy saying she's never heard that theory before. And as close news as that family is, it's, it's 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 the jury can see through that. They got no chance of a win here. And so I think that Charles really going to speed up, and I think that probably they could go to the jury next week still. So, um, really, you think it could go that quickly? There's so many stipulations, and they're just you know, there's some of the witnesses. A lot of them they're not going to cross examine even on the defense. So there's they've already said they're going to agree to so much of the prosecution's theory. So so there's not going to be much cross. So. Um, is this going to be on? I think Wendy's going to have a lot of cross. I think um, maybe a couple other witnesses, well, and the rest of them are going to be really zipping right through there. And then I think their other key thing is remember Jeff cause, He's going to rebut that Wendy mentioned about the hitman from um, the year prior in 2013. That was serious; it wasn't a joke, right? So keep in mind that predates him even knowing Katie. So he was wanting to kill jeff months before that uh she he ever met katie so i think that also uh is going to refute any of this uh wild theory
1: by the way i'm not the only one if you see this uh comment from the uh coe the chief of everything um carl steinbeck's joining me i'll be on court tv today uh tonight at 8 p.m um lorna mckenzie um i live a mile or two from where wendy adelson lives down here and i can tell you that uh She's not doing great in this department. She is being a little bit ostracized within her own community. Um, reports I've heard her kids are having trouble getting into it. Although they're very smart and capable, uh, they're having trouble getting into some of the elite schools down here because those schools don't want uh, the drama associated with what is going on. So a difficult situation for those kids. That is why I always think about Ruth uh, during this situation. Uh, Dr. Hamilton, I know it's getting late there. You're in the U.K., a law professor at the university of Surrey, a former corrections officer from Florida, your final thoughts.
4: Amazing
3: day, surprising. Nobody would ever, I don't think anybody predicted what the defense would come up with. Um, Yeah, I think I agree. It's going to go quicker than we thought because um, everything's being streamlined. So there's not a lot of objections. Um, the judge is getting everybody's getting through very efficiently, all these witnesses. So, um, it's pretty lopsided at this point, but exciting.
1: Uh, David Latt, uh, do you agree that this could be over a lot quicker than we all think? I'm supposed to go up to Tallahassee on Sunday, I should have gone up this week. Um, the other thing is that's that's question number one. Could this end quickly? Did, did you? I found, and I'm not an attorney, I felt like, uh, Daniel Rashbaum was was conceding a lot of information things like you know you're you are uh, an alleged co-conspirator things of that nature that he was repeating over and over um and I don't know how much of that the jury knows um I'm wondering what the strategy if there is any in that um but let's start with uh, how quickly this could possibly end
0: I think it Could end pretty quickly. I I agree with Dr. Hamilton and Carl. Especially, also, I would point out, in addition to not too many objections, there haven't been many sidebars. Sidebars can sometimes suck up a huge amount of time, and they did in some of the past trials. And we haven't had that many, and they haven't been that lengthy. I think uh, the judge is doing a good job of uh, moving things along. Uh, One other observation, and apologies if maybe this was observed earlier. Um, I I wasn't able to listen to all eight or so, however many hours. Um, you know. One th- I was really struck by Charlie because his face, his demeanor, he looks terrified. I actually thought he would be either impassive or defiant. He looks sca- like he looks abjectly terrified. I mean, look, I would be, too. But uh, he he was not uh, looking confident or calm. Uh, he was looking
1: like a man who is, you know, he's on trial for his life, basically. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Um as a nice Jewish guy in Miami beach from New Jersey, if I was facing life in prison, I'd look a hell of a lot worse, but he does not look good. That to me is the scariest thing on planet earth. I would not last more than a day in prison. I don't know what I would do. Uh, Tim Jansen. Um, glad you're sort of feeling better. It says behind you, keep calm and carry on, but keep calm and don't break any more ribs. Um, we're going to come check on you when we're in Tallahassee. Um, This is the COE's job here. Great coverage and panel. Clip it into a sizzle reel. Did you hear that, COE? Um, There's a comment from her. Um, Tim Jansen, do you agree uh, you are the Tallahasseean? Could this be over as early as possibly the end of next week? What do you foresee in the coming days?
2: Well, I want to thank Daniel because I think Daniel has pretty much guaranteed we're going to see Georgia versus Charlie on the witness stand. Uh, Daniel has emphasized they're going to play multiple tapes. They're going to pl- play the first Dolce Vita, and he's going to play the second Dolce Vita, trying to show that they really didn't need this enhancement. They didn't have the evidence in. It's no different than it is now. I think Charlie could be on the stand for a couple days. Um, I don't know who they're going to call besides Charlie, but I don't think they'll finish next week. Um, they're going to have to bring in the tapes. Georgia should still focus on – proving her case as she was going to because this juror doesn't know all the things that we all know, the facts. Um so maybe maybe they'll finish on Monday of the following week, but it's certainly not go it was never going three weeks. But I think it's gonna be great with Charlie and Georgia. That's gonna be riveting.
1: When when do you think that happens? On Monday when I'm there, Tim, I hope? Mm,
2: I, I don't think it's gonna be that soon. Hmm. Because you know, I don't think it'll be that soon. Today's Friday. Today's right. Thursday.
1: Tomorrow's Friday. Well,
2: yeah. no, I don't think they're going to be done that. No,
1: government
5: has to rest first.
1: Yeah. Something better happen when I'm up there, Tim Jansen. How long um, are you here for? Uh, just a few days, unless Charlie's going to take the stand and then we'll stay. I uh, look at the COE shout out to best guest, base coast. He does all the work behind the scenes. Steve Cohen, the mods for being on air with us all day. And of course, special thanks to SDS Nation. Where's my thanks, COE? Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to be up there. Do me a favor. I just had the web uh, address up there, our email address, I should say, survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. Survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. Let us know if you want us to do more trial coverage uh, in the coming weeks. We're going to stay on the Charlie Adelson trial. Uh, you are right, Joel. You're on kid duty now. That's great. Can't wait. Luckily, I have to do Core TV. Um, look at this. Cliff Frankenberger throwing me under the bus. This is going to be the thing that eats away at me all day. Joel's trademark phrase is, that's mm. what happens after eight hours, Cliff Frankenberger. So let us know if you want us to do more of this trial coverage, we are going to stay on the Charlie Adelson trial uh, stream that live. We will have special analysis as it warrants when Charlie, if he does, uh, when he takes a stand and other big names. Obviously, you just saw Wendy Adelson. So we will stick on that. I will be doing court TV, as I said, eight o'clock tomorrow. We will stream all day, 5 p.m. It's great, Scott, true crime, Phil with Phil Waters and Scott Duffy. And then we're in Tallahassee starting Monday, live from there. Until then, love you, America. Love you, Texas. Love you, you the UK. David, are you in New York? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. New Jersey, suburbs. Even better. Love you, the great state <laughs> of New Jersey, my home state. Love you, Tallahassee, Tasmania, Everyone, everywhere near and far in between the Republic of Ireland and Israel. Everyone, till next time.